From executive producer Isaac Saul, this is Tangle. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the Tangle Podcast, the place where you get views from across the political spectrum, some independent thinking without all that hysterical nonsense you find everywhere else. I'm your host, Isaac Saul, and on today's episode, we are talking about Biden's new immigration rule, a rule he has proposed that is being hotly debated right now. We're going to talk about that, some of the impact it might have. And before we jump in, I do want to give you a quick heads up that tomorrow we are publishing a very unique Friday subscribers-only edition in the newsletter. There's going to be a student who recently fled from China publishing an anonymous piece with us. We are keeping their identity anonymous to protect them. I thought it was a really moving piece. It was a pretty interesting story how it came to be. And I think people are going to be very interested in it. So if you want to get that edition, you have to subscribe, become a Tangle member. You can do that by going to readtangle.com slash membership. All right, with that out of the way, let's jump in with our quick hits for the day. First up, Secretary of State Antony Blinken had a surprise meeting with his Russian counterpart on the sidelines of a G20 ministers summit in India. It was the first high-level meeting between Russia and the United States in months. Number two, the Senate voted 50 to 46 to overturn a Biden administration rule that allows retirement fund managers to consider environmental impacts when picking investments. It could be the first veto of the Biden presidency. Number three, at least 43 people were killed and more than 80 injured in northern Greece when a passenger train collided with an oncoming freight train. Number four, the U.S. intelligence community released a new assessment finding that it was unlikely a foreign adversary is behind the thousands of cases of so-called Havana syndrome. Number five, Norfolk Southern CEO has agreed to appear before a Senate committee in a March 9th hearing on the train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. The Biden administration formally proposed barring asylum seekers at the southern border unless they first ask for asylum in a country they passed through. It's something the Trump administration tried but was blocked in court. The rule is meant to deter border crossings once pandemic-era restrictions finally end. The Biden administration has a new plan to deal with the border crisis. Today, the Department of Homeland Security announced a plan to restrict which migrants can apply for asylum at the border. A plan that some say resembles the Trump era policy. Democrats are slamming the restrictions as unconscionable, unacceptable, un-American. So if someone is successful in getting to our southern border prior to presenting at our port of entry. So the ports of entry is where you like knock on the door and say, I'm here. I fear for my life. Please help me. That individual must log into this website and basically schedule an appointment to go and do that act of knocking on our door. Last week, the Biden administration announced a new temporary rule that will penalize asylum seekers who cross the border illegally or fail to apply for asylum in the countries they traverse before arriving in the United States, while also opening doors for legal entry through a government-created mobile app. Under international law, migrants who are fleeing persecution can request asylum at the United States border no matter how they arrive here. But the new rule, which may take effect as soon as May and is designed to expire after two years, 
would presume asylum and eligibility for anyone who enters the country illegally. This assumption would allow the government to deport border crossers upon arrival unless they showed they were denied safe refuge in Mexico or another country they traveled through before reaching the U.S. The rule will undergo a 30-day public comment period before going into effect in early May. It's designed to fill the gap of Title 42, a pandemic-era restriction that allowed the immediate deportation of migrants under a public health emergency. Title 42 will expire this spring after Biden announced an end to the national emergency for COVID-19. Many immigration officials expect a surge of migrants when that order expires. In the last few months, we've covered Biden's plans to limit the influx of asylum seekers from Cuba, Haiti, Nicaragua, and Venezuela. His administration introduced a new rule in January that allows for 30,000 people per month from these four nations combined to immigrate legally over the next two years. But migrants who arrive without first asking for asylum in the countries they travel through will be denied asylum and deported. The government will offer those 30,000 migrants the ability to work legally, but they must first pass background checks, have eligible sponsors in the U.S., and apply for asylum through a mobile app. In the weeks after announcing those changes, illegal crossings by migrants from those four countries dropped 97%. The latest proposed rule, which is similar to policies enacted by former President Donald Trump, will apply some of the same restrictions and processes to all asylum seekers. Despite keeping Title 42, the Trump-era health law that allows the U.S. to quickly expel migrants in place, there have still been record numbers of migrants crossing the U.S.-Mexico border during Biden's term. There were over 2.38 million encounters in the fiscal year that ended September 30th, the first time that number topped 2 million. There were also an estimated 1.2 million unauthorized migrants who were detected entering illegally but evaded border agents known colloquially as gotaways. Some 700,000 migrants and asylum seekers have also been permitted entry into the U.S. on various forms of quote-unquote parole during Biden's presidency, which typically include legal stays with an expiration date. Border facilities in Texas, Arizona, and Southern California have regularly been over capacity. Over the last decade, American officials have been trying to process a rising number of migrants who arrive at the border seeking asylum. Those migrants have routinely been given a court appointment and released into the U.S. interior. The Department of Justice says about 75% of migrants show up for their court hearings. Other studies have put the number at 83% or even as high as 99%. While most attend their hearings, others never finish the application process after their release or never show up. And a backlog of 1.5 million cases in immigration courts often leaves migrants following the legal process in limbo for years. Today, we're going to take a look at some reactions to Biden's latest immigration plans with commentary from the left and the right, and then my take. All right, we'll start with what the left is saying. The left is split on the plan, with some angrily comparing Biden to Trump and others arguing that the plan might work. Some contend that Biden is recreating Trump policies and making the same mistakes Trump did. Others say early signs show the rules are already working and Biden should be given time to fine-tune them. In the Washington Post, Catherine Rample asked why Biden was resurrecting Trump policies. First, Biden dragged his feet in scrapping former President Donald Trump's Title 42 border policy, which sees COVID-19 as a pretext for denying those arriving at the border the ability to apply for asylum, as is their right under both U.S. law and international treaty. 
Biden even expanded the use of Title 42 to apply to more migrant groups. Now, the Biden administration has concocted a different enforcement system that mashes up elements of many other ugly Trump policies Biden previously said he opposed. This mirrors Trump's pre-COVID asylum transit ban, which had been blocked multiple times by federal courts for violating U.S. law. Wary of another court challenge, Biden officials are quick to point out that their rule, unlike Trump's, at least offers some migrants the ability to apply for asylum under some circumstances. But these exceptions are limited and often extremely convoluted. For example, a migrant can still apply for asylum if they're facing an acute medical emergency or if they use a new U.S. government-created smartphone app to schedule an appointment at a port of entry, she wrote. This supposedly orderly system often doesn't work, though. Wi-Fi is not exactly readily available in the desert. Plus, this new app, as my post colleague Nick Miroff has painstakingly documented, is glitchy, malfunctions for users with darker skin, and offers very few appointments. The Bloomberg editorial board said Biden's immigration reforms deserve a chance to work. After years of chaos at the U.S.'s southern border, the government says that illegal crossings have fallen more than 40% in recent months. Since late last year, the administration has employed a carrot-and-stick strategy to contain the surge of migrants attempting to enter the country. It launched a program for migrants from Venezuela, Cuba, Nicaragua, and Haiti, allowing as many as 30,000 a month to apply for temporary visas before reaching the border. Under the program, known as Humanitarian Parole, applicants who have a sponsor, pass background checks, and meet other requirements can work in the U.S. for two years while their asylum claims are adjudicated. Border crossers who attempt to circumvent the process are expelled to Mexico, which had previously refused to accept deportees from the four nations covered by the program. Early results have been promising. Between December and January, Customs and Border Protection encounters between ports of entry dropped from 221,675 to 128,410, the lowest figure in two years, with evidence of continued declines in February, the board said. Those numbers may well fall even further due to a new rule announced last week that denies migrants the ability to request asylum without first applying in a country they pass through on the way to the U.S. Set to take effect in May, the rule adds to Title 42, the policy used by the government to turn away some asylum seekers during the pandemic, by imposing criminal penalties for illegal reentry once initial admission has been denied. While it's too soon to declare the border secure, the administration deserves credit for taking steps to correct past failures. In Newsweek, Raul Reyes said Biden was making the same shameful mistakes that Trump did on immigration. A throwback to the Trump era, it's legally suspect, logistically unsound, and morally indefensible, Reyes wrote. And it will likely increase the suffering of migrants while doing little to address the problems of our dysfunctional immigration system. For starters, this new policy violates existing law. Under Trump, a similar policy was dubbed the transit ban and was repeatedly struck down in the courts because asylum requires physical presence in the U.S. and migrants have the statutory right to apply for it whether or not at a designated port of arrival. Moreover, asylum restrictions run counter to the U.S. treaty obligations, he said. The U.N. High Commission on Refugees has condemned attempts to impose limits on asylum. In fact, when the administration announced its immigration plans in January, the UN human rights chief warned that they appeared to violate international agreements, noting that the right to seek asylum is a human right, no matter a person's origin, nor how they arrived at an international border. The Biden administration is nonetheless encouraging asylum seekers to apply for protection while still in their home countries, 
rather than doing so after arriving at the border. But this may not be an option for those who are fleeing persecution, especially as it requires having a U.S. sponsor already lined up. All right, that is it for what the left is saying, which brings us to what the right is saying. Many on the right say the plan isn't actually going to reduce illegal immigration. Some call it a shell game, saying Biden is opening previously closed doors for immigrants and pretending it's a crackdown. Others point to the broad exceptions to the rule and compare it to Trump's policies, which they say brought more order. In the New York Post, Mark Krikorian described Biden's bizarro world on the border that just waves in more illegal immigrants. The latest example of this is a new proposed regulation on asylum. It is being sold as a way to bar border-jumping migrants from claiming asylum here if they pass through other countries where they could have applied first, Krikorian wrote. This would, in theory, apply to every person crossing the southern border illegally. Mexico, at least, has a well-developed asylum system and even features a video on its refugee agency's website on how to apply. But when you actually look at the details of what the Biden administration is proposing, you see it's just another bizarro world attempt at reclassifying illegal immigration as legal. The ban won't apply to illegal immigrants who bring children with them. It won't apply to anyone who schedules an appointment at the U.S. border through the CBP-1 app, which is like the Open Table Reservations app, but for people whom the government has no legal right to let into the United States. And you don't even have to actually schedule an appointment with CBP-1 if there is a language or technical barrier that's a severe obstacle to using it. So instead of reducing the flow of people into the United States who aren't supposed to be here, the administration itself intends the rule to be a means of, in the Washington Post's words, quote, opening more avenues for vulnerable migrants, not turning them away, end quote. This is a purely political measure designed to dupe the rubes into thinking Biden has moderated his position on immigration when, in fact, he is still pursuing the same lawless policies. In the Daily Signal, Laura Reese called it a gimmick atop a shell game. The rule would create a rebuttable presumption that an illegal alien is ineligible for asylum in the U.S. if they traveled through a third country unless one of several exceptions apply. DHS gave the alien approval to travel to the U.S. to seek parole through a DHS-approved parole process. The alien presented at a port of entry after using the CBP mobile app to schedule their port appointment or demonstrate that it was not possible to access the mobile app because the alien does not have a mobile phone, the CBP app was not functioning properly, or the alien is illiterate. The alien is an unaccompanied minor, or the alien sought asylum or other protection in a country through which the alien traveled and received a final decision denying the application. In addition to those broad exceptions, an illegal alien would also rebut the asylum ineligibility presumption if the alien or family member has an acute medical emergency, faced an imminent and extreme threat to life or safety, is a victim of a severe form of trafficking in persons, or has other exceptionally compelling circumstances that convince an asylum officer, she said. Over the decades, exceptions in immigration law have been expanded and abused to overcome their underlying rules, but this proposed rule starts with the exceptions swallowing the rule whole. In the Daily Caller, former acting United States Secretary of Homeland Security Chad Wolf said Americans should read the fine print because the rule is not like Trump's. Unlike the Trump-era rule, the proposed rule uses the rebuttable presumption against asylum eligibility standard for illegal aliens apprehended at the border, which is not a true bar to claiming asylum, Wolf said. 
Although this new standard may appear more strict than the current practice, it is a watered-down policy compared to the Trump administration's rule, which only allowed aliens who fell within the narrow exceptions to make an asylum claim. Fewer than 15% of illegal aliens apprehended at the border qualify for asylum, and obtaining humanitarian relief is not the end goal for the vast majority of these illegal aliens. For example, it will have no impact on the 30,000 illegal aliens per month from Venezuela, Cuba, Haiti, and Nicaragua who the Department of Homeland Security is going to parole into the country unlawfully. This means that 360,000 illegal aliens will be allowed into American communities each year unless the federal courts block this abuse of the narrow parole authority, he said. Also immune from the rule are the tens of thousands of illegal aliens the administration will waive through the ports of entry if they schedule an appointment through the Customs and Border Protection One app. But those are not the only exceptions. The rule also exempts aliens who claim the CBP One app was not possible to access or use. This vague standard is rife for exploitation and will no doubt be badly abused. And lastly, the rule fully exempts unaccompanied alien children and family units, including in situations where the family members are proven ineligible for asylum. That's at least 700,000 aliens per year. All right, that is it for the left and the right are saying, which brings us to my take. Whenever both the left and right are pissed off about a controversial and complicated proposal, it's hard to tell whether the plan is really fair or really that bad. In this case, I'll concede at the top that we still don't know. I don't know how we could. The latest rule hasn't been implemented yet, and its validity will be based entirely on the results. For me, a quote-unquote win would be to see a reduction in southwestern land encounters a more orderly system for adjudicating asylum claims, and more readily available legal pathways for migrants to come here and work temporarily. So far, the Biden administration's plan announced in January appears to be accomplishing the first goal. Encounters at the southwest border are way down. Biden is right to view this as a good thing on its own. Regardless of the total number of immigrants we're welcoming into the country, border surges that overwhelm our system result in many thousands of people getting stuck in difficult conditions in our detention facilities, living illegally in the U.S., and or risking their lives while attempting to avoid border officials. So, when crossings go down, we're better able to handle migrants, which creates a more orderly and much safer system. In our newsletter today, we published some charts from the Customs and Border Patrol on all nationwide encounters for 2023, and you can see a very steep drop after Biden introduced this new rule for migrants from Cuba, Haiti, Nicaragua, and Venezuela. It's even steeper when you look at just the southwest border. But this data only tells one part of the story. As Reese noted, the shell game is to try to understand where the migrants end up. Many conservatives worry that Biden is essentially creating a new pathway to quote-unquote legal entry that would have been illegal just a few months ago and accuse him of conning immigration restrictionists into thinking he's cracking down. Reese claimed in her piece that inadmissible migrants at ports of entries are up, and while this was true for the end of 2022, it looks like in January, after Biden's first rule started, they actually went down. This would imply there are not just fewer migrants crossing by land, but at ports of entry too. Of course, limiting the number of people arriving at our border is not the only measure of success. On the contrary, we should be striving for a system that both minimizes harm and maximizes orderly entry. I will take another opportunity here to trumpet for the millionth time 
my longstanding solution that I believe accomplishes both goals, which is to increase the number of judges and lawyers on the border who can properly adjudicate the millions of new annual immigration cases and clear the 1.5 million case backlog. But short of that, on paper, Biden's recent rule changes at least look like a step in the right direction for folks like me. One way to limit illegal border crossings and waves of migrants is to deter them. Another way is to create more appealing avenues for legal immigration. Biden is attempting to do both. It's clear the first part is working. Border encounters have cratered since the first set of rules were announced. The data there is incontrovertible, and there is good reason to think this latest rule will keep that trend going even after Title 42 expires. The second part is still up in the air. How many new migrants will find a way here through the other avenues he's open? Will this make it safer or more dangerous for them? How often will broad exceptions be used? All of these questions are yet to be answered. I also love the idea of leaning into technological advances like a mobile app to keep better track of people attempting to cross the border. But can the government make the app more functional and accessible? It's clearly struggling. One attorney for an asylum seeker who criticized the plan pointed to the absurdity of trying to get someone in using the government app. The biggest headache is that there are too few spots. So few people are trying every morning to enter the app, she said. It's like trying to get tickets for a Taylor Swift concert, only it's not a concert and you're trying to save your family's life. Other voices have said the process creates more danger. I was pleasantly surprised to see the Fox News opinion page, which typically has an immigration restrictionist slant, publish an opinion piece from a gay immigrant who said the new rules threaten other migrants like him who are fleeing persecution. Eduardo Cifuentes wrote that after kissing his boyfriend in public, Police in Guatemala detained and beat me, and then, after I reported the officers responsible, threatened me and stalked me. Their threats forced me to flee. He's now been in the U.S. for three years, married his boyfriend, works for a legal organization in Texas, and is still working through the asylum process. None of this would have been possible, though, under new asylum rules proposed by President Joe Biden, he wrote. He might be right. Balancing the care of the Sofuentes of the world and the need to be able to keep track of who and what is coming into our country is the intricate challenge of immigration policy. Despite upset from both sides, the early signs from these new rules show the number of illegal crossings falling. The rest is still up for debate. All right, that is it for my take, which brings us to your questions answered. This one is from Ashley in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Ashley said, how can the unemployment rate be so low while we're also experiencing a labor shortage and so many companies are struggling to hire? It seems contradictory that we could be both desperate for more workers while also seeing such a high percentage of the people employed. Are people just taking COVID benefits and staying home, but then wouldn't they count as unemployed? So Ashley, it's a good question. And the answer requires understanding basically how this data is collected. Contrary to popular belief, the unemployment rate is not calculated by counting the number of people collecting unemployment insurance. It's done more like the census. The Bureau of Labor Statistics surveys a random sampling of 60,000 households and asks them questions about their employment status. It defines the labor force as people who have jobs and are actively looking for jobs. Someone who is unemployed but not looking for work is not counted in the unemployment rate. They are called discouraged workers. The unemployment rate is the percentage of unemployed people in the labor force, or put differently, the percentage of people in this survey looking for work but who don't have it. What's interesting about that methodology is that people not looking for work can simultaneously increase the labor shortage and lower the unemployment rate. Consider an example like this. 
Say 100,000 people were surveyed in 2019. 10,000 of them were not looking for work. Of the 90,000 remaining in the labor force, 80,000 have jobs and 10,000 were unemployed but looking for work. That would mean roughly 88.9%, which is 80,000 out of 90,000, of the labor force was employed. That implies an unemployment rate of 11.1%. Now, take the same 100,000 people in 2023, and this time, let's say 25,000 people are not looking for work. There's now 75,000 people remaining, and let's say there's 70,000 of them who have jobs. That means 93.3% of the workforce has a job for an unemployment rate of 6.7%. So even though 10,000 fewer people actually have jobs, the unemployment rate has gone down, while simultaneously there are 15,000 fewer people for employers to hire. Now you have a labor shortage and lower unemployment. In many ways, that's exactly what we have now, paired with a surprisingly healthy job market. COVID-19 led to an unexpected wave of retirements, a drop in legal immigration, loss of workers due to COVID-19 deaths and illnesses, and tons of people who are just re-examining their career choices by taking time off or transitioning to part-time work. All of this has impacted those numbers while the economic growth has remained surprisingly strong. So today, we have both a labor shortage and historically low unemployment. All right, that is it for your questions answered, which brings us to our under the radar section. Doctors are sounding the alarm about rising rates of colorectal cancer among Americans 55 and younger. Research published Wednesday shows an uptick in colorectal cancer, one of the top causes of cancer deaths in the United States. This is a pretty remarkable outlier because incident rates for most other cancers are either stable or going down, Arif Camel, the chief patient officer at the American Cancer Society, told Axios. Inactivity, poor diet, smoking, excess body weight, and alcohol consumption are considered the lifestyle factors more closely tied to the disease. The U.S. has lowered the suggested age for screening from 50 to 45. Axios has the story. There's a link to it in today's episode description. All right, next up is our numbers section. The number of migrants apprehended at the southwest border in fiscal year 2016 was 408,870. The number of migrants apprehended at the southwest border in fiscal year 2021 was 1.66 million. In 2022, it was 2.2 million. The number of migrants apprehended at the southwest border in December of 2022 was 251,487. The number of migrants apprehended at the southwest border in January of 2023 was 156,274. The percent drop in illegal crossings among migrants from Venezuela, Cuba, Nicaragua, and Haiti from December to January was 95%. That is it for our numbers section, which brings us last but not least to our Have a Nice Day story. Foo Fighters frontman David Grohl is known for his do-it-all style on stage, but he just flexed another gift for some of Los Angeles' homeless population. Grilling. Grohl showed up at Hope the Mission's Trebek Center to whip up brisket, ribs, pork butt, and some barbecue smokers for over 450 homeless people. He spent 16 hours cooking and toughed it out through a power outage at the center. After cleaning up the kitchen, Grohl reportedly was already asking when he could come back to cook again. The Los Angeles Times has the story of his generosity, and there's a link to it in today's episode description. 
All right, everybody, like I said at the top, if you want to hear from us tomorrow, be sure to go to readtangle.com slash membership and subscribe. We've got a really cool essay coming from an anonymous Chinese student who recently fled the country. And either way, we'll be back in your ears on Monday. Have a good one. Peace. Our podcast is written by me, Isaac Saul, and edited by Zosha Warpea. Our script is edited by Sean Brady, Ari Weitzman, and Bailey Saul. Shout out to our interns, Audrey Moorhead and Watkins Kelly, and our social media manager, Magdalena Bakova, who created our podcast logo. Music for the podcast was produced by Diet75. For more from Tangle, check out our website at www.retangle.com. Tangle.